What, do they think we got three Rod Brandemores or what? I think I started lifting real light weights when I was like 12. listening to the rod the podcast with your hosts jordan betts and mike men good to be back in another episode of the rod the podcast after uh, a little bit of a uh, july 4th fiesta uh, as we prep here for the uh, nhl draft uh we're apart tonight i miss seeing your your beautiful face michael how are you doing i'm doing great after that compliment now i'm just grinning ear to ear now you're really fired up. You know, coaches do that. They motivate their players. Uh, I know we're going to have a great episode tonight. Absolutely. I think we're going to talk a little bit, what, free agency, trades and stuff? Is that what we're thinking tonight? Kind of continuing what we've been doing a little bit. Uh, we will touch on the draft um, later this week. Not the most, um, other than the fact that it's a very hot button or hot location for a lot of trade discussion and trades. Um, obviously not going to be the most active time for Carolina without a first round pick for Carolina without a first round pick. Um, but still, I, I think what we've been talking about as far as, you know, we've done a lot of talk about the Canes, UFAs and RFAs. Uh, now it's kind of time to extrapolate that. Uh, we do have some news to cover, but, you know, basically as we've been doing this whole time, it's kind of just a brain dump. It's, um, you know, moves and counter moves. What are, what are the chess pieces that Don Waddell is moving around uh, to manipulate this team back into uh, contention for a Stanley Cup? Yeah, and I think uh, the starting point from there is the news coming out. Trocek and Nino are most likely pretty much 99% guarantee that they're both going to test the free agent market, which means that we've kind of come to a point in negotiations where most likely the Canes said this is what we're willing to offer. Now both camps are going to go to the open market and see if it's a fair offer, see if they can get a better offer, um, and then maybe circle back to the Canes. Maybe the Canes have the best offer. Highly unlikely for Trocheck. I'm curious to see where the Nino contract shakes out, but we understand those guys are going to test the market, which leaves pretty two, like, two significant gaps in the lineup um, if both those guys walk, there's some pretty uh, aggressive moves that need to be made or some big steps that players have to take. What do you think? Yeah, we were talking shop, and I'll, I'll get into talking shop in a second. But, yeah, to, reiter- to reiterate your point, um, it, it does feel like Trocheck being gone is, a, is at this point uh, a foregone conclusion. Um, Nino is a little more speculative. I, I'm curious what he finds his market is out uh, in unrestricted free agency, I got a feeling that it kind of is going to align. Maybe this is just uh, affirming our priors, but I kind of got a feel it's going to align with our perspective. Is that, hey, really effective player, useful in the Canes lineup, but who's going to pay him, you know, six plus million dollars um, as a depth scoring guy that is basically a half point per game player? We'll see. I, I think he's got a much more high probability of being back. But I think the interesting talk here is more about what we were discussing before we turned on the mics, and it's what are the 
tease my, I guess, favorite metaphor of the night, uh, the chess pieces here. Because we've done a lot of just assuming, hey, if Trocek leaves and they don't bring in outside center help, they're going to promote Drury, fourth line role that's going to bump KK up over Jordo. And my perspective is, I think that all makes sense on paper. Um, but does it really seem like a Rod Brindamore move to just, you know, throw KK in and uh, he's your second-line center. He's playing with some combination of turbo, turbo, fetch, maybe Natchez, um, just your top wingers. And this just doesn't seem like a Rod Brindamore move. I, I think what this probably um, turns into is, to use the Bill Peters, probably a little bit of a blendomatic, which is going to have fans uh, shaking their head and pulling the hair out, even if it is resulting in wins. What are your thoughts? Uh, it's kind of like a mixed bag for me because with KK, uh, Rod's definitely not the guy, like you said, that's just going to advance a player up the lineup. With this scenario, it's kind of interesting. The Canes have invested a lot in the player. The player is ready, in their own words, for more opportunity. With that being said, Yes, Barry did say take whatever he can get, but he's ready to take that next step. It's a question of does the organization believe that with Rod's tutelage and his offseason work and consistency in the lineup and his second season in the system, is he ready to go? Can he take that step? That's a really big question, and I think that will really change how you perceive the Natchez negotiations that will help you perceive all these other instances. And the thing that concerns me regarding KK is that when they talked about Trocek, I don't think they just said they want to bring Trocek back because that's the thing you say, right? That's what every GM says. We want to bring everybody back, but we live in a cap world, yada, yada, yada. They were genuinely interested and wanted to bring back Trocek. I don't know if that's an indicator of how they feel about KK. Maybe they think that after a year in the system, maybe they've talked to KK about, hey, we we need you to play wing next year. You might not have been ready for it this year, but maybe next year they expect him to be wing and say, hey, long term, you're going to be a center. But right now what this team needs from you is to play on the wing. It's really That's one of the biggest items for me that I'm really curious to see how it shakes out from training camp to preseason to day one of the regular season is how does the organization view KK? I think we're going to see that based on it's either going to be right through UFA because we can both agree that we think Trocek is gone. So it's either going to be through UFA or trade or like you mentioned, the blend where you see somebody like Jordan Stahl who's playing more minutes every night, whether it's, Second, third, like we all know how Rod views lines. It's more about the disbursement of minutes. So it's it's a really interesting topic. And as a team that's invested another eight years on a player at a pretty healthy cap hit, you'd hope that they believe the player has the ability to make that jump and that he at least gets a swing at it. It would be kind of disappointing if – we started next season and you saw KK stuck on the fourth line again. Um, and I also think that that the dreary thing, I don't, I think it's an 80 plus percent chance of happening where we see him in the NHL next year. 
Yeah, I, I just think it's there's so much uncertainty, and, and you know, obviously we're speculating it. To talk about the lineup and then work backwards a little bit, I think the perspective that I share is that it really seems like, um, you know, you might see Jordo either either overslotted or overtaxed minute wise early in the season, which I think could have you know negative consequences uh, into the playoffs later in the season, all that stuff. Um, as a guy that's you know, it's nothing less, he's at least hinted at retirement. Uh, that also makes me think their interest in Trocheck might be the fact that Jordo's more out the door than maybe we even perceive. Because at least for me, the the hints at retirement after this contract um, took me off guard. I, I, I thought they'd at least have an opportunity to extend this for a few more years. So maybe it's Jordo's indicated I, I, I'm closer to done. Um, maybe this is it. So you want to keep Trocheck because then you have stability for the middle with um, Aho, Tro, and uh, KK. But it's, it's really kind of enthralling right now because then we continue to work back, and I know we spent a decent amount of time last episode discussing, well, what's, what happens with Natius? I think we both love to see him crack at center. Well, you know, we can't have two guys playing in the second center slot. So um, it, it just becomes, uh, you know, too many people, too many cooks in the kitchen. You, you want to develop players, and that's the, the problem with trying to duly – develop and be in a tough window at the same time. Not that you ever want to be completely all in um, because only one team wins a year and that's just not a good distribution of resources, but that's why the KK move didn't really make sense because it's clearly, it was strictly a developmental move. Um, I, I just thought that ran counter to the, the window and obviously it prevented them from making this the deadline. You, you couldn't stretch in the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. I think six years from now, we're going to look back and think that was a really savvy move. But for the, you know, three years following that offer sheet, I think it's going to be kind of a head-scratcher. And I continue to think that because I, I, I realize, and we're kind of also speculating that, you know, it sounds like Natchez and the team are, are very far away in their discussion or with their dialogue on getting a potential deal done. Well, we know Canes don't typically go to arbitration with uh, players. So it's probably going to get moved. I, I, I think that's something that's been hinted at with Tony as well, and we'll get to that. But it's just, if Natchez is going to be here, it sounds like it has to be on the wing, and he doesn't want that. That's got to hurt discussions. It's just, there's a lot going on right now. I don't uh, envy Don Waddell. Absolutely, and to kind of piggyback off a couple points you made, first being stall being overslotted playing a lot of minutes it's not ideal we've you and i have talked about this off the podcast to where if we could find a way to lower his minutes during the regular season and then unleash him in the playoffs let him be as rested as you can possibly be hopefully playing 82 regular season games if if you can get that guy into the playoffs and say hey you're fresh we need you to be that that also gives players like KK the opportunity to develop during the regular season. At the end of the day, you just need to get into the playoffs, right? You don't need to win the Metropolitan Division. You don't need you don't need to be at home for the playoffs. I mean, we saw it helped us, but that can't be the team can't rely on that to be the case going forward. Couldn't be a crutch for this team anymore. Absolutely. So I don't see why you don't use the regular season 
as an opportunity for some of these other guys, like a KK, like a Jarvis, young guys, developing guys, maybe even a Stevie Lawrence. Let these guys see more action up and down the lineup. Let make sure Jarvis is handling power play quarterbacking, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it may be. Develop players during the regular season as long as you're tracking for the playoffs. And if you're tracking for the playoffs and then you turn it on in March and you say, all right, this is how we're rolling. Hypothetically, that should allow you to peak at the right time. You've given players the opportunity to develop in NHL games, grow their confidence, et cetera, et cetera. I, I mean, so the overslotting stall, I think, would be a bad developmental move, and I think it would have negative repercussions in the playoffs as well. The only way I think it's a positive is, is somehow stall goes off and gets hot and has the best season of his career with Carolina, which we both know is less likely of a scenario. So that that part is definitely intriguing to me. The other point I want to make is I would be very curious if a Natchez deal is able to be done, if there is a scenario where KK and Natchez play on the same line and almost are interchangeable centers based off uh, which side they're taking the face off on. So you have two power face off players um, so that they can both kind of play the center position it becomes tricky because obviously it's not just about face-offs when you're a center it's about where you're receiving the puck um duties have changed in the nhl now it's not like the center is the first man back it's first skater first is the first back so that's not even relevant but i'd be curious if there was anything there if that was possible because like you said you can't have Natchez and KK and say, hey, we're going to develop, develop both of you as centers, but we also have Ajo and Stahl. You're not playing. I, I would be surprised if you saw a Natchez or a KK centering a fourth line next year, and I'd be very surprised if you don't see Drury given an opportunity to be with the big team. Yeah, I, I think you and I are in complete alignment uh, on this. It's just you know, they're, they're juggling a lot of uh, balls right now, and it's they'll figure it out. I, I, the only thing I would say that maybe runs a little uh, away from what you were alluding to is, you know, I, I, you could argue that they peaked too early last year, and, and maybe they did. Uh, I, I just think that the one thing I don't want to see is I can tolerate this, quote-unquote, blendomatic for a while. Um, I just think when you get to the playoffs, you want to, you know, God, wave your magic wand, everyone would love to do this. But ideally, you'd be peaking at that time. And to me, that requires playing your best players with your best pair, players. And, you know, I, I just hate this reactionary thing that we've seen uh, in recent postseasons. You know, it's most noticeable on the power play. It's like all of a sudden guys that have never gotten power play one time all postseason are on power play one. It's like you just can't be that reactionary. Um, you know, you kind of need to self-evaluate more. And if, you know, you notice things in your schematics or in how, you know, your lineup is being deployed, there's inefficiencies. I mean, as, you know, analytically driven as they are, I, I just feel like they're awfully reactionary when it comes to um, nut-cutting time in the playoffs when it really matters. Um, they, they bulldoze the competition because they just overwhelm you. They're more talented and they work harder in the regular season. I don't think that recipe works. So 
uh, in the postseason. So kind of balancing those two things, you know, peaking and trying to get uh, your players developed. Um, smarter men than me are working on that, and I, I believe they will figure out the correct balance, uh, even if we're a little uh, befuddled by it from time to time. Agreed, agreed. Um, quick, we'll touch on we we mentioned it, so we'll just go ahead and talk about it a little bit more. The Nature's contract reports are saying it's not close. Um, what's your opinion on that? Um, as I kind of referenced last week, I, as time has gone on, like you know, this, and this is why you know, management usually takes a little bit of time and, and evaluates things and let you know kind of lets cooler heads prevail. Um, right after the season, I was. Trade him. He, he's the valuable asset that can plus, plus, plus allows you to go get a superstar. The, the further we've got away from the season, it's I view him as a potential core member. I, I think, you know, we were probably a little too high on him last offseason. I, I was a little lukewarm on him, and now I view him, you know, if we were talking about, like, buying and trading stocks, I would have been selling him last offseason at that price. Well, this offseason I'm buying him. I, I just think that he's too talented um, and I, you know, we gave the reference to uh, Elias Lundholm. Like, I just think he's a dynamic offensive force that can develop into an impact player. Um, does that come at center? I, I don't know. And, and so for me, I mean, the, the terms are important. And if you can get him on a, a two-year deal, which aligns with, you know, the other star players, maybe he's not a star, but other potential core members of this team, that are coming up uh, in free agency at that point, I think it makes it pretty palatable because at that point you get to decide, is he actually part of my core? And so to me, that's what I'd be trying to do. Now, I, I don't think you overextend yourself. And if there's a deal that comes along, because despite the dip in production, he is, you know, you hear it, everyone's a valuable asset, valuable asset around the league. So, um, if the right deal comes along, you also don't turn that down. I, I just think for me, uh, without knowing the parameters of the contact discussion, how far apart they actually are, and what potential offers are out there, uh, I still lean towards I'd like to keep him and give him another year or two here. Because, you know, it, you got to hold on to your homegrown players. Yeah, it's a curious one. Um, I think if you move him, you have to get a really substantial piece back. Um, we've kind of talked about that when we mentioned moving him. It's I would be very disappointed if you moved him and and just got something of what his current value is back. Um, it's like you mentioned with stocks, you're not going to sell when the value is low. You're gonna you're gonna buy if you have the ability to. So it would be it would have to be a good return. You'd have to be able to sell someone on the potential and what he can be. Um, it's even harder to sell without having given him the opportunity to play center. So it's an interesting one. I'm curious if it's if it's term or dollars. That's the main concern. I would think probably dollars. I don't think he would have an issue with a bridge deal, but we know the Canes love signing their young players to long-term contracts like they tried to do with Ajo. The big, the big hang-up on Ajo is they wanted eight years um, KK, they've signed to eight years. Fetch, they signed for eight years. It's what they want to do with their young core players. Um, I'm sure it's going to be what they do with a guy like Jarvis, right? So I'm wondering, 
are they looking at something more than a bridge, the Canes? And I could see that being a massive turn off to Natchez because that deal is going to be reflective of last season as opposed to paying him for the future because the Canes don't pay for what you could be. They pay for where they see your value at now projected out. And the reality is his value is lower than it has been in the past, and there's a really good chance that he continues to ascend. So if I'm Natchez in his camp, I'm not looking to sign a long-term deal unless the money really, really makes sense. So I'm curious where the negotiations are and where the breakdown is. I'm not sure that we'll we'll get any info on that. Yeah, um, with, with both, you know, the, the two big RFAs, uh, Tony and Natchez, I, it kind of just feels like, and I guess we did get a little um, inkling of a rumor that Tony is allowed to basically go shop and see what's out there uh, and then reevaluate. It just kind of feels like there could be a snap trade in either one of those uh, decisions just because, it, as we've seen in the past, like, the Canadian and American sources just aren't super tapped in on the happenings of what goes on this uh, in this um, organization. So um, kind of just holding our breath. I, I think we'll have an idea. Um, so arbitration is like July, late July till early mid-August, so sometime before then because um, as we've seen throughout um, this regime, they, they don't go to arbitration. They just refuse to do it, and so they don't want to be put in a bind paying someone else's contract. Uh, they want to sign contracts on their terms, and if they don't, they'd rather get an asset for it. Absolutely, and we've already talked about Bear, D'Angelo, both in the same position, both allowed to speak with other teams, although there are RFAs. D'Angelo with the arbitration rights, like you mentioned. I do think it's funny, and you kind of alluded to this and talked about this earlier, Um we don't see many leaks out of the Canes organization and two of our big RFAs, the ones you just mentioned, D'Angelo and Natchez, both had rumors released about them. Uh, the D'Angelo and Natchez rumor was kind of intertwined altogether because it was, if we're going to move Natchez, we want a young defenseman back, which puts, which would technically put pressure on the Natchez camp and the D'Angelo camp, right? The Natchez camp saying, hey, we're willing to trade you if we can't make some headway. And the D'Angelo camp, it's, hey, we'll go out and find another defenseman if we can't make any headway. And and now we're at the impasse that we're at right now. Yeah, uh, you are absolutely correct. It's just, you know, I, I, I never want to assume, but it kind of just feels like uh, the organization is kind of set in their ways of how they negotiate, and they're just going to end up, um, you know, I say that all, and then you make the great points about um, how there's leaks coming out. And so, to me, I just view those as very calculated, and maybe they're seeing a little bit more outward in hopes of kind of driving the price down. Hey, we're going to find out. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, you're going to see some action happen here uh, Thursday night and then into the weekend, and then obviously the next week with uh, free agency kicking up. I don't expect them to be major players uh, early in free agency, but um, we know they're not afraid to go bargain hunting uh, after the first wave really goes through. Uh, are you ready to talk some of those names, or do you have any more thoughts on the current construction lineup? Yeah, I'm ready to talk about some UFAs and trade targets. I think one of the big things that goes along with that is cap space, 
And the real question we've mentioned before, Gardner, is he staying? Is he going? Are we going to have more cap space to make these deals? I'm hearing some mixed feelings, some mixed thoughts that there's a good chance he's back. Yeah, I mean, we've kind of dismissed it with a hand wave that he's either bought out or he's traded. And uh, it seems that, at least for the time being, we're trending away from that and that you know, once again, that could be a, a bargaining tool that, hey, we don't need to re-sign you, Tony. We don't need to. We already have a guy that, you know, valuable NHL experience that can run a power play. Don't need you. Um, so we'll see. I, I just can't imagine uh, there is an appetite on Gardner's end to play here after how things have kind of been down, but maybe he views it as his best opportunity to reestablish value. Um, for the time being, I'll continue to speculate that he will not be on the roster uh, come October, but every day that passes, it looks more and more likely, which is shocking because I figured they'd do their damnedest to get that four million off the books. Yeah, and maybe maybe the smoke is that we're going to play him to drive up his value if we're going to get, if we're going to continue to go down that rabbit hole of speculation. So who knows? That's another piece we have to keep keep an eye on. Um, so free agency, are there any, like, do you expect Carolina to be in the Giroux, Forsberg, Malkin, uh, sweepstakes? I personally do not, unless, for example, I think the, the most likely one would be Malkin. I still don't think, uh, there's any chance that actually occurs, but do any of those three guys kind of move the needle for you? And do you think Carolina will be involved, uh, in courting them? Forsberg is not a deal the Canes would make. The money for Forsberg, it's sounding like Nashville, their latest offer was in the in the realm of eight years by nine and a half. So if he's goes to free agency and you're looking at to match that on a seven year, you're looking at almost ten million. And then you have to take into account the different taxes by state, Tennessee being a friendly one. You're talking about a massive contract to land this guy late into his... It's essentially the last contract of his NHL career, most likely. That's a very... that I mean, you could get three, four very good years out of that, but that is that is a window ender, in my opinion. He's going to be a big part of your window, and I think he would increase the chances of winning a Stanley Cup in the next three, four years. But I think after that, it's he is a player that creates the necess- the necessity for a rebuild as well, if that makes sense. So I don't I don't think they'll be in on Forsberg personally. Yeah, I, I don't think you know, I've said it from the first episode recorded this all season. That that's just not a move they're gonna make. Um so it sounds like Crystal Ping's going back to Pittsburgh based on what you were telling me before this. Um what about the other prize potential USA there for the Penguins? Uh, longtime center, former league MVP, heart winner, uh, Evgeny Malkin. Yeah, so speculation is that Latang is getting closer to a deal with Pittsburgh. I think if that happens, it's going to be very hard to keep Latang and Malkin. Um, and if that's the case, I think there's a good chance that Malkin hits free agency. At the end of the day, he's gonna. It's up to him. It's does he want to compete for cups? 
Does he want to cash out one more time and get the biggest payday he can? Is he more interested in as a maximum term? Uh, I believe he turns 36 or 37, if I'm not mistaken, uh, before the season. 35, so, the next month he turns 36. So 36 going into the season. Um, I think there's if if he's wanting to win a cup and you lose out on Trocheck and you are looking to have a, 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 a true second-line center right out of the gate, I think he's an intriguing option. I mean, he's over a point-per-game player his whole career. He was a point-per-game player last year. He's got a little bit of injury c- concerns with – the age and everything, but I mean, I don't think there's a contending team that would say no to Malkin. The question is, what does Malkin want? And only he knows that. But if if he's interested in contending for a cup, I think he'd have a really nice shot at doing that with the Canes. I would potentially see maybe the New York Rangers taking a run at him, depending on how their center situation shakes out. But that one, that one is is possible. Um, I'd give it like 20, 25% chance happening right now until we get to free agency. And if we get to free agency, maybe 30, 35% chance, but, um, we'll, we'll just have to see cause it's up to him. The, the hockey fan in me that does not want to see him play for anybody else but Pittsburgh. Um, you know, just from a nostalgic perspective, especially if they get the band back together and Mark Andre Fleury comes back to, uh, the Seal City. I, I just, I think that'd be pretty cool. I, I think it's not necessarily a recipe for success, but you're going to sell a lot of tickets. So, um, Malkin, as far as you know, where would he slot in here, or if that's even viable for the Canes? So, to me, it just doesn't seem like a Canes move. Um, and that's why I, I agree with. I'm probably be a little lower, but 20, 25% sounds fair because he immediately slots. Then he's your second line center. He's still a point per game player. Uh, when he's healthy, he's dynamic. Now, do I think he's going to play the, the style um, that Rod would want? No, but he's the type of guy that, even at his advanced age for a hockey player, can be a game breaker and probably going to come in. Does, does he get north of seven? I, I think you could see six to seven. He's like a nine and a half now. Um, which, hey, if, if that's for a year or two, I, I think that you could stomach it. I, as long as it, it just doesn't feel like it came to, to them to sign an, an older player uh, in their career arc, unless it's, hey, this is actually our all-in chip. Uh, we have the cap space. We felt more comfortable about doing this for two years than Trocheck at a similar price point for five plus. Like, okay, let, let, let's make it happen. And, and now you're kind of all in. You can kind of, uh, balance the minutes and the season between Jordo, KK, and Malkin. Um, kind of gives you a dynamic playmaker that probably unloads, uh, unlocks, you know, Svetch and Jarvis to, to even another level. Probably would convince Natchez that, hey, this is a great opportunity for me to kind of up my value here, uh, to play with a guy like Malkin. So does it happen? No, probably not. It's kind of one of those that's more fun to speculate about uh, than anything else. But it's not, also not something I've heard discussed. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I hope he stays in the black and yellow and, uh, you know, we have to move along. But um, I think it's fun to speculate about. Yeah, I think if he was to come to Carolina, it would have to be on a two-year deal to line up with the Ajo deal because you don't want to be uh, in a cap crunch 
because of a veteran signing like that. So if it's a one or two year deal, I think it totally makes sense. Another veteran player that we can also discuss is Claude Giroux. Um, I think the Giroux deal is more attainable in the fact that it's clear that he wants to compete for cups and it's very clear that it's going to, it's going to be a winner. Although, I mean, fuck by your all-time backfires rejecting the trade to Colorado. Um, but, hey, more power to you, buddy. Um, yeah, he, believed in, he believed in the Florida Panthers, and that's, that was the move he made. Uh, he likes Rod Brendamore, so I think the Canes could be a dark horse to potentially sign him. He's, he's not going to be as much motive. Well, let me think about this. It's not going to be as much about money for him as it might be for a Malkin or for an Andrew Cop, right? Because Drew, he's looking for the cup. That's it's all about that. He's at the end of his career. He's probably got five, six places that he considers, maybe less, to be honest with you, that he considers to be true contenders, and he's gonna end up on one of them. Um I think that he's probably around the same likelihood as Malkin, maybe around thirty or so maybe 35% off the jump just because of the fact that we know he's looking for a contender. It's not a guarantee that he's going to be able to go back to Florida. Um, that kind of narrows the field that he could potentially be looking at. So Drew is an interesting one because you can also flex him out to wing if you need to. Absolutely. And, you know, Carolina not in a terrible position uh, capped space-wise compared to mostly contenders. So, um Granted, definitely have some moves to make, and you're going to carve some of that money out pretty quick. But that that's one that I, I kind of just dismissed out of hand. But, you know, if, if he leaves Florida, I, I think that signing him on a short-term kind of checks a lot of boxes. So, um, again, lower than 50%, but an interesting name. And the same things with Malkin and maybe even more motivated uh, to chase a cup because, you know, Malkin has three and Drew doesn't have one yet. So, um Again, another guy that can unlock the talent around him. We'll see. Um, but I, I don't think it's the worst decision in the world uh, to throw money at an established dynamic player uh, within this window because I, I think that's kind of the thing you should be doing. And it's the type of thing that if it is just for two years, it doesn't jeopardize your future at all. So, um, you know, clean slate when it's time then the team needs it to be a clean slate. So we'll see. Uh, overall, I think those are two more intriguing uh, guys to have discussed. Uh, how about on the back end, Mike? The back end really boils down to Tony D'Angelo for me. If Tony D'Angelo walks, if he's traded, um, you're looking to replace him with somebody that can play next to Slavin. On, in terms of – go ahead. Real quick. So let's assume for this, exercise right now that Tony doesn't resign. I know we've been talking a lot about uh, a first line, or not a first line, but a dynamic game-breaking level scorer, someone that can influence the offense like that for the playoffs. If you lose Tony, does replacing that right-handed D-man that can run your uh, power play, not necessarily even have to be right-handed, but does that become now priority number one? Yeah, it's probably pretty high up there. Um, I'm not in the company that thinks that we have a replacement on hand for him. I think uh, Chatfield, like we've talked about, 
could step into that third pairing and be a six-seven defenseman next year. I expect that to happen, but I don't think there's anybody in the pipeline right now who's ready to make the move. With that being said, I could be totally wrong, but that's how I see it. You're not ready to fully embrace the Ethan Bear experience like uh, Twitter is? Yeah, I don't think Ethan Bear is coming back either. I don't think that he's going to want to be here. I think he had a tough run in Edmonton prior to coming to Carolina. He was excited to come to Carolina for a chance, and that is now turned over on him. I, he, I would think that Bear needs a fresh start somewhere where he can focus on playing hockey, and I'm not sure it's Carolina. If it boiled down to that, uh, I would say, okay, let's see how it goes for a little while. Um, in terms of free agents, the one that we were linked with, I don't think the money would work because Klingberg is looking for a big payday. He does fit that bill. He turns 30 this year um, prior to the season starting, so you're not really looking to go into too much term on a deal for him. I don't think the money works out. There's definitely a fit if Tony was to walk. Now, the funny name I have, and I haven't done any research or anything on this name at all, but P.K. Subban... Oh, man. Is 33 years old, and he is an unrestricted free agent. And tell me that that does not sound like Don Waddell. It does. And, you know, like, right off the rip, I'm going, man, the game has just fallen off so much. But, you know, doesn't it just seem like Don and the organization just uh, will come in here and re- rehabilitate him, and all of a sudden he'll be a productive player. And it's like, you know, it might not be for long, but he can do it. And, you know, it's, it's definitely everybody. not going to be tough. Nine yeah. million dollars that cost, you know, it's costing right now. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I hadn't really considered it, but man, I, you said I started shaking my head. I'm like, damn, that does seem like a Carolina Hurricanes move. Um, you know, with Tony, I, I think that's going to be difficult to replace. Uh, granted, I, I was firmly in the it was irreplaceable last year with Dougie, and Tony came in and was candidly even better. So, um, you know, 51 points in 40 or 64 games. Uh, was trying to get on with a point-per-game player before he got injured. Um, you know, other than really Chris Letang, he's probably the, you know, him and Noah Dobson are the only ones that had more points than D'Angelo. And, you know, at a points-per-game mark, he's the best available guy in the league. Um, Klinberg, yeah, I think that, to me, I view that similar to Trocek. Like, the team is obviously interested in the player, but – they're not going to offer the term and contract that it would require to land a player of that stature at this point in their career just because of the age. So I think we can go ahead and mark that off our list. Unless, for some reason, Klinberg finds a market that's just a little more tepid than anticipated, which, if it's been anything like the defensive market of past off-seasons, I think he's probably going to be just fine. Also, I didn't realize... His career earnings are much lower than I thought. He's just coming off a deal that was paying him 4.25. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you think, think of him in that, you know, six to eight range, right? I, I didn't, I just didn't realize his deal was so low. So he, he's definitely looking to get paid. Uh, not that I would call $4.2 million low in, in my line of work, but for his, no, maybe. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, yeah, I don't think Klingberg works out because of that reason. The PK Subban one, just comes down to the whole anybody looks good next to Jacob Slavin thing. Is it a player that they think they could juice a year or two out of on the cheap? They're going to do it, and I'm going to 
you'll have sold me on it. I'll be like, oh, PK is going to drop 55 points this year. Well, I'm not sold on it. I just think there's a chance it happens because I'm trying to think of Kane's moves and nothing screams Kane's move more than more than PK Subban this offseason. So that that would be interesting. I think I think the Tony replacement is more likely to come from trade. I think we can jump into some quick trade talk quick um and just keep going on the on the Tony train for now. I think the reality is you have some guys that would fit the Don Waddell kind of trade for. You could maybe get a Shane Gosses bear out of Arizona, 29 years old. He's not a right shot, but he's still got one year left at 4.5 million. He had a pretty good offensive season last year playing on a bad team. He's not a great defender at all. I don't think that's much different from what Tony was um, or Dougie. I think Dougie's probably a little bit better defensively than both of them. With that being said, I could see Gosses Bear being a guy that they look at bringing in. Um, anybody for Arizona on Arizona is available, so I wouldn't be surprised if they look at a guy like that. Another left-handed replacement, and I think this one isn't super likely. But when you look at the the cap crunch that Vegas has right now, what is the chance that you could pry? Teodor from them he's got his three years at 5.2 million I believe left 27 year old dude can run a power play he can defend pretty well as well he also plays really well in PNC <laughs> yeah so I, that guy I mean I don't know what pieces they're going to move but that team is in cap hell right now um, so is there a potential for that for him to be available um, I don't know. Like there, there's some interesting guys out there. Whether it's with the acquisition of McDonough in Nashville, maybe Fabro is now available, right? Twenty-four year old with one year left at two point four million, right shot with a little bit of offensive upside to his game. Uh, I'm not sure that he might not be a guy that's available to trade for. Uh, and then my last trade that I is the fever, the fever dream, which we love having our little fever dream trades. But if you can find a way, if there is an issue, like if the negotiations aren't going well with Noah Dobson and you can swoop in and somehow find a way to pay whatever ridiculous price you have to pay, could you imagine Jacob Slave and, and Noah Dobson as your first pair and Noah Dobson as your long-term power play quarterback? to the point where you sign him to an eight by whatever the money needs to be. He's 22. You can lock him up till he's 30. I mean, that uh, that eliminates this ongoing issue we have because every year we're talking about who's playing with Slavin. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's set for the next eight years. Um, the the only, only issue there is, to me, it's not even the contract cost, so I think he validates whatever it is, but... Uh, to me, it's what price is Lou Amarillo going to extract? Oh, it's going to be massive. It will be massive. It would be a it would be a statement trade. That would be a trade that he he's now a core player for your team. You know, especially because it's an in the division move, um, and we know how uh, Lou Sundertrop, the the team, 
you know, prioritize playing back to front and shutting things down. I mean, this is, this is a guy that, you know, managed 51 points this year on the back end on a team that, you know, really struggled. And so, um, obviously highly drafted as well. He'd be a great add. And, uh, I actually like that one as a fever dream even more than Chikrin. So, uh, here for Absolutely. it. Probability. But hey, it's, it's the time of the offseason. This is when we're supposed to speculate about this stuff. Yep. So that's, I mean, that's kind of where I see defensively. Um, with that being said, I think PK Subban is the most likely guy to be on this team out of all the names that we discussed, which is hilarious. But we're not gonna we're not gonna sweat about that uh, too much longer. Um, other trade targets. I mean, at this point, you're looking at a scorer, right? A former Norris winner, PK Subban. That's yeah, true. Back on it. True. What else are we looking at? A goal scorer? Adding a goal scorer? Adding a goal scorer. Um, I think you sent me a an interesting one. Um, sound like a really cane buy low move on Twitter today. Um, if I can go find it. The uh, you know a guy like they come in and play on your bottom line, uh, like Colin White. Doesn't seem like just like a, a Carolina move. Like it just feels right. And you know we we would probably say right now that the the fourth line is pretty stacked, assuming, as you um, predicted, that, you know, Lawrence will be back next year. But, um, you know, when, you, when you're talking about the Carolina Hurricanes and predicting what they're going to do uh, in the offseason, part of it is just they're going to make savvy moves that people don't, don't anticipate. And, and some of that is, hey, they go bargain bin shopping. Uh, as much as I don't like to acknowledge it and re- rehabilitate players, I know we talked about P.K. Subban tonight, but – um, sorry for that little quick aside. Any, you know, we talked the big name for free agents. Anybody stand out to you as a potential goal scorer? I know we've talked through some potential trades with the Brinkett, Line A. Fiala uh, is obviously off the market now, but um, anybody else? I mean, you've got JT Miller would be the other player, but you're talking about between DeBrinket and JT Miller and Fiala. I think those were the three really big goal scoring trade options. The price for DeBrinket and JT Miller is going to be really high. I think we'll know more about it when the draft pass. If a deal isn't made during the first round, then I think there's a much higher chance that those guys are available just because the Canes don't have an early pick. So, What was, what was your thoughts on the uh, rumored deal that Chicago has turned down for DeBrinket? I think it was... And to pump the market, or is there any anything to uh, that? Yeah, I'm not sure. The reality is, I think the deal that we talked about that we would be willing to send for DeBrinket was more valuable than what was released. Um, if you're willing to accept a 2023 first round draft pick, so I don't think the value was insanely out of market to the point where I would be like, absolutely don't pay that. It's a steep price, but you're also talking about a 24-year-old that could potentially be a 45-50 goal scorer multiple seasons while he's with your franchise. And that's not something that you just find on the street. Uh, that's something that's very, very, very difficult to draft and develop. So when you have the opportunity to acquire a player like that, the price is definitely going to be steep. Um I think he is kind of the cream of the crop in terms of price. I think JT Miller is close behind him. I'm not sure if the price is worth it for JT Miller. 
I think other teams are going to be willing to pay way more than we are. And then we've talked about line A, line A being in division and obviously the concerns with the two-way game for him. I'm not sure what the fit is there, but it's going to be interesting because we see all these big names and like you kind of alluded to, it's probably not who the Canes are going to go after. They're going to find somebody else that, like you said, they can rehabilitate or maybe somebody that they help take to the next level. I'm not sure who that might be, um, but I'm curious to see it all shake out. Yeah, me too. And, um, you know, I, I just think that, unfortunately, when it comes to straight trade speculation with this team, it's just going to be announced. We're not really going to have any sense that it's coming, uh, which is rare in the league and I think, honestly, a good thing. So, you know, we'll be monitoring for that. I, I think before we wrap up, um, not the most exciting thing to talk about, um, considering we don't have a first-round pick, but any thoughts on the draft? Do you, do you expect Shane Wright to go one? Uh, do you think uh, the Canadians are going to make a different pick? Uh, just any general overview things. I, I think we'll obviously recap the draft next week, but um, any thoughts? Uh, it sounds like there's a pretty decent chance that Slavkovsky goes first as well. Um, so it's it's really between Shane Wright and Slavkovsky at, at number one. I don't know. It's tough. I mean, I just see the reaction in the crowd. That's all. That's all I'm yeah. care about. Well, I think the reaction, if it's not Shane Wright, is going to be more aggressive than vice versa. So, um, I don't know. I'm I'm curious. I think this is one of the first years I can remember, maybe outside of the Nico Hishier year, where it was just like. The number one was just kind of up in the air, really. Um, so it makes it makes the draft more entertaining. I'm excited to watch, even though the Canes don't have a pick. I am hoping to see some trades um, to kind of kickstart the offseason so we can start getting a better idea of how things are going to shake out. I would mention one more name who we could see in a trade even before the draft, during the draft, coming out of Edmonton. There's reports that the Canes have been interested in Paul Javari. Uh, it sounds like his time in Edmonton is definitely done. That is maybe one of the moves that we could see happen sooner than later. He matches exactly what the Canes look to buy. Um, a lot of people say, like, this could be your Valerie Nechuskin, or he could be a total bust. So the question is, what would the price be on that, and is it worth it? You know, for me, profile. You know, you're buying profiles. That's what you're doing with young players. Um, and, and to me, I think from his, you know, just build. You know, he's six four, big old guy that, you know, has obviously was drafted fourth overall, so it's flashed some ability and talent. Uh, I think you could kind of slot him in as you try to grow him into the system and get him comfortable, and maybe get the footing within his career. I mean, doesn't he sound like a nice buy low for Nino? Like it's the same thing. It's you know, Nino is also a top five pick and rehabilitated his career here. Um, to me, I think that just kind of makes sense. We'll see. Carolina's rumored to be interested. Um, so we, we got a little uh, ascent to follow on that one. Yeah, he's a right shot. He's a big, powerful player. He's got to find his scoring touch, but he kind of seems like a player that would fit in really well in the Kane system, become a really formidable two-way player. Um, I could really see him plugging and playing with Jordan Stahl um, right away. So 
Not a bad fit. Giving that line a right shot, I, I just think that's kind of perfect, honestly. Yeah, so something to something to keep keep an eye on. Um, it, it should be interesting. I'm excited. I'm excited for Thursday and Friday, and then all the time leading up to free agency, so that we can start to put all the puzzle pieces together for the roster. And, and for those of you guys turn, tuning in Thursday and Friday, uh, Carolina's first pick, assuming no trades, is slated for 60th overall, which is at the back end of the second round. We'll be watching. We'll be following it. Uh, definitely tapped into all the uh, potential trade news and rumors. We'll get back to you, uh, assuming there's nothing breaking uh, early next week. If not, we might have to do an emergency pod. Yeah. Well, over, under, quick. Over, under, quick. Two trade backs in the draft. Over, or under. Two? If you give me one and a half, I'm You're going over on one and a half, or are you taking over one Over on and one and a half. Okay. I'll give you that. Um, two, I think, might be the right numbers, but one and a half is, I mean, there, there's no doubt they're backing up at some point. You know, they love, they love to move around. I, I think the analytics show that that's the savvy thing to do, and they've extracted great value. I mean, the pipeline is so healthy. You know, with the Calder Cup championships, you know, two and four years, and the pipeline, like, despite not having drafted that highly since uh, Svetch, I, I, I think um, they've kind of got it figured out, and that might be, Manipulating the draft might be one of the best things this organization does. So look forward to seeing them do that a few more times uh, this upcoming week. And uh, as always, enjoyed talking to you. Let's uh, let's reconvene next week. How's that sound? Yep, we'll check back in right after uh, after we get through the draft and maybe a little bit before uh, free agency and see where things are at then. We'll speculate some more. How's that sound? It's what we do best. All right. Y'all have a great night. We'll talk to you next week.